Hi, this is Nick Campbell. And I'm Andrea Pascal. And you're listening to In In and Out Out of Frame. Hey guys, welcome back to our third episode. Um, This is our holiday edition. Mm -hmm, Our first holiday edition. Our inaugural holiday edition. Hopefully the first of many. So we thought just, you know, we're at the end of the year and, um, you know, everybody's taking a little bit of downtime this time of year or you're kind of working overtime depending on your holiday schedule. Yeah, it changes as you get older. Yeah, some people have many Christmases. You know, for me, I've been fortunate this year to actually get to kind of relax. um, Just had the one Christmas? Yeah, just had the one Christmas. Me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we thought for this episode, it would be fun to discuss holiday films. So uh, we each decided to pick our favorite Holiday film. Okay, let me preface this with not necessarily our favorite. Not quite the favorite. But we're each going to, we each chose a holiday film to discuss and talk about why we love this film. And it was really hard because being that we watch so many films, it'd be easy to make a giant list of holiday movies. Not just of like traditional ones, but non-traditional ones. One that you kind of feel just that you end up watching a lot of time around the holidays. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time for movies. It's that conversation buffer. It's mm-hmm. that, you know. It's like you said, you have more time to take <clears throat> more in, just that you've missed over the year. Uh, it was tough to narrow this down, but we each came up with a choice that we thought would be fun to talk about. So we tried to do a little bit slightly off the beaten path, um, not quite the obvious. But still choice. often on theme. Yeah, so Nick? Yes. What did you choose for your holiday film? My pick is, I'll say it's different than the movies that we've done before, because uh, I tried to stay away from doing a horror movie, because the last two films that we did were horror movies, and even though I love horror, and there are a great number of good horror movie Christmas films, I went with Lethal Weapon, because it is, a lot of people pick Die Hard, yeah, but they forget that Lethal Weapon is actually a Christmas movie, too. It is, in fact, a Christmas film. I haven't seen Lethal Weapon in a really long time. Um, it, it holds up still. And it's funny because in relation to Die Hard, it was produced by the same guy, Joel Silver. It has the same composer, Michael Kamen. Funny enough, Bruce Willis was offered the role of Martin Riggs, who Mel Gibson plays in Lethal Weapon. And Mel Gibson was actually offered the role of John McClane in Die Hard. And both turned those roles down and ended up in the other movies. Oh, that's which funny. Is, uh, yeah, it's it's <clears throat> very strange. and but But fitting, I think. Each actor worked better in their actual oh, yeah. character of how it ended up. So. I mean, that's basically my image of Mel Gibson now is, is Martin Riggs and Lethal Weapon. It's unfortunately prophetic that he, it's kind of an on the edge and often over the edge. Lethal Weapon, loose cannon. So did you watch Lethal Weapon this holiday season? I did. Um, we actually watched it for Christmas Eve instead of Die Hard because I had gotten the four pack of it recently and not been able to get around to it. So this was perfect because my family loves watching action movies. We would have watched Die Hard if we didn't watch this, to be honest. Um, but so the movie takes place in 1987 at Christmas time. A, uh, a woman is doing drugs in the middle of the night in this a giant apartment complex, leaps out of a building. And eventually this brings, uh, two LA detectives who are completely different people together. And that's Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is the lethal weapon in the title because he is living on the edge and he's now partnered with a guy who is about to get into retirement And so then, of course, they get into this giant conspiracy involving uh, Vietnam vets running drug cartels, 
and there's assassins, and uh, also Gary Busey is in it. Nothing says the holidays like Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a great name in the movie. It's Mr. Joshua. That's all they refer to him as. He's a dangerous guy. He's the other Lethal Weapon. Um, but it's funny because he apparently credits Lethal Weapon as reviving his um, his film career. I think he had it had, yeah. it had been failing up to that point. It's kind of funny because I unfortunately didn't think of Gary Busey as existing before this point. So it was kind of a reminder that he's been in the business a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's funny to have Mel Gibson, who's crazy, in a movie with Gary Busey, who is also so crazy. crazy. Um, but it's funny, too, because like it wasn't long after this that Gary Busey did. And I know we're on kind of a tangent with Gary Busey now, but he did Point Break. Where yeah. he's kind of a washed out, like, nutty cop. Um, so he's kind of flipped roles in that. But yeah, so we picked this one. And it's it's a great buddy comedy. Because, you know, they did four of them. So Mel Gibson and Danny Glover have great chemistry. Um, it's a classic action movie. because Partly because of what I mentioned earlier with Michael Kamen's score. Um, I think it's used... So he's used for that movie, Die Hard. And I think Last Action Hero, which is by the same director as sure. Die Hard. And it's just got, <laughs> like, it's a classic orchestral, like, big like booming score that you don't see a lot in, in in action movies nowadays it's it's a funny movie but it's also very violent um and so it's it's an interesting christmas movie because it shows them uh when they're not chasing down bad guys mel gibson is visiting uh danny glover's family's house and this oh, they're right. hanging out and becoming becoming closer while it's still recognizing that like this guy's going to get me killed at some point. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, and there's Christmas music throughout. Like, the, the film opens with Jingle Bell Rock. Um, and we actually sat this time, because um, we were joking about, like, weird Christmas movies that you would pick. And me and my dad and my brother and my mom, we sat and just kind of started like, oh, there's a Christmas tree. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, there's this song. It's a Christmas movie. Just trying to convince ourselves. But because it, it's, you know, because holiday movies are, it's, it's a mix between, um, do you want to have, like, that classic american like like big feelings and families gathered around and and presents and snow and sweetness or do you kind of like get tired of that and you want something that's a little bit ridiculous sure like um, a little bit of a break from all of that yeah and so um with it still in the back yeah in it's the still there because yeah. you have to have a reason to watch it around that time exactly but it's kind of funny just because we did follow that up with the uh the new predator movie so um it was an action christmas for us for sure Predator movie not being a holiday film. No, it's actually a Halloween movie though. So it is a holiday, just not just not this holiday. This holiday. Yeah, huh, cool. but so that's that was that was my Christmas. But yeah, so that was uh, that was my pick. What about yours? Okay, so before we get into my pick, uh, in case you guys think we have forgotten about our trusty sidekick, the microwave cookbook. Oh God, we haven't. We have not. Uh, we've actually been enjoying as we've been recording this episode. Our latest creation from the book, which was chosen because it sort of goes hand in glove with my pick. So our recipe this time was the Austrian mocha, mocha cocoa. cocoa. Again, you can find the recipe for this cocoa on our website. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, we should talk about that and just kind of give our review. And then we can get into my pick for the movie. Um, but so we made this cocoa. It's... A microwave cocoa. It's very simple. It's nothing extravagant in the in the recipe. It's not even really, I mean, as a microwave snack should be. It's very easy to make. It was quick. It took no time. I mean, which is kind of nice coming off of our last episode with the uh, Salem fluff. That was labor intensive. That was our most intensive endeavor to date. To date. Out of 
three out of all three <laughs> but we thought you know with the holiday season and hot cocoa is perfect for movie watching or discussing movie watching and again the fact that it was austrian cocoa so it's kind of fancy it's a little fancy we've got some really fancy milk glassware that i think paired nicely with it um it's okay it's not my favorite hot cocoa it's not quite the delight that was promised by the no, name it seemed like it was going to be a little more exotic but i would say it is perfectly adequate it includes coffee um that was i got really excited when i heard there was more coffee to be had today yeah so it's kind of like a coffee drink with I mean, it's more of like a coffee drink, I feel like, than a cocoa. Mm-hmm. It's not like an iced mocha so much as like a lukewarm mocha. At this point. At this I point. I mean, it was hot. It was fairly when it hot when out. we got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, after four minutes of cooking, it should be. Yeah. So, uh, if you have not figured out what my pick is yet, which... I feel like it was a giveaway with the hand and glove. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, I chose for my holiday film, Stanley Kubrick's final work eyes wide shut this is a real room divider this this film and i've already left the room i love this movie i love this movie i always watch it this time of year i know it does not immediately ring holiday bells for you if you're trying to think but it is such a christmas film well i guess my question would be what is it that makes you watch it at this time of year i mean obviously it has Christmas kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it's a Christmas movie, and I think, again, it's a long film. I mean, it's right at three hours. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, again, this is the time of year where I actually kind of find a little bit, carve out a little bit of time generally to settle in and watch some films. And honestly, I just think it's such a beautiful film. It's so pretty to look at. So it's based off of the uh 1927 or i'm sorry 1926 novella by arthur schnitzler it's um dream story or Trom novel i guess mm-hmm. um so again austrian writer hence the austrian mocha cocoa uh, i didn't That's, see that coming that is the tie-in yes but um anyway so it's based on, it's kubrick's adaptation of this short story again it be called being called dream story he creates such a the whole the whole film does feel like a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, just the lighting and it's so much of the film is lit with Christmas lights. There are so many Christmas trees present throughout the film. Yeah, it's kind of surreal to have that um, that holiday. That's one of the things about it. It's like that's it's kind of surreal to have that that cheery uh, family friendly holiday in the background of something so odd. Yeah, so I mean, I just feel like it's just a fun movie to watch. It's so crazy. And again, when you're looking to pick, you know, you you went for action. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this isn't quite like the action pack, but it is still a thriller. Yeah, so I don't know. I love this movie. And I mean, again, it's it was Kubrick's last film. A lot of people hate this film, but it's one of my favorite Kubrick films. I've only seen it the one time, but I really enjoyed it when I, I mean, and, and visually, I mean, it is kind of imprinted. I think it's imprinted on a lot of people's minds, even if they haven't really even seen the film, just mm-hmm. because some of the the locations and the, and the situations that the characters find themselves in. Yeah. And I mean, it, even a lot of that, you know, so Kubrick had gotten to a point where he didn't like to fly anymore. So even though that the film is set in New York city, um, it was all filmed in England, um, either at Pinewood studios or there were some locations um, in England, but a lot of it was done 
with the backdrops and everything. So I think that even kind of contributes even more to that sort of otherworldly dreamlike quality of it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of cool things about this film that I think it's, you know, I think it's, I really love that it's, it is a very sort of realistic that sounds far-fetched to say, but it is real. It's a very real story. I think about like a love story in a lot of ways. I, I know probably people don't see it that way initially, but if you really look at the storyline of it, in fact, um, I was reading in my let us grab our leather-bound books, our my Kubrick archives today, and I was you know just looking through and kind of taking some notes on this film, and I came across this passage that I really liked how it sort of summed up the film. Okay, here it is. So both Schnitzler's novella and Kubrick's film navigate the treacherous gray area between waking life and dreams, between reality and fantasy, between actions and desires, between fidelity and deception, between the conscious and the unconscious. It is through such murky waters that some of the very best literature and films like Trum Novelle and Eyes Wide Shut can take us if we only allow them to do so. So yeah, I love that exploration of the gray area and that, you know, the way that your mind can sort of run away from you if, you, if you're not careful. Mm. And um, just the adventure of it all. I mean, honestly, you know, you were asking me in the beginning, you know, why this is a go-to. I'll tell you one thing. I generally start out, I've never gotten really like a notepad or anything, but I always kind of fall off because again, it is a, a long film. But throughout the course of the night... Uh, Dr. Harford, Tom Cruise's character, he spends so much money on this one night out that I, every time I try to watch it, I want to find like a tally of like the costume that he rents and the cab rides and the drinks. Like I really want to know like how much this crazy adventure ended up costing him <laughs> because he is literally pulling out his wallet every I don't know. It feels like every couple of minutes. Every time he enters a new situation, yeah, the it's comes like out. the wallet comes out. So I don't know if anybody. I'm going to successfully figure this out one day. Um, so and I haven't actually watched it this season. So there's still time. Mm-hmm. There's still, got, still time. Still got a few hours left. Yep. And um, so I might have to get into that. But yeah, that was my pick. And you know, and this may be, this may be far-fetched to say but it kind of thinking about it just my memory of the movie which has admittedly been a few years now i think it kind of works in the christmas mode because it is tom cruise's character on a bit of a on a journey into this strange world and then kind of back to his own guess with a new perspective on things um and that's kind of similar to like it's a wonderful life in a way totally and And even more so a christmas carol i was gonna say that too it's very much like a christmas carol to me where, you know, in order, because he does go on this very dreamlike adventure mm-hmm. and encounters these characters that could be, you know, ghosts of Christmas past, present, future, really to be able to come back to his family and in the end appreciate what he has and, you know, see things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is very much in the in the Christmas spirit of, I mean, because he's a pretty selfish character. Um, definitely like Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, he is extremely selfish and pretty self-serving. And so I think he learns a lot about himself and his wife over the course of this evening. 
So yeah, that about wraps up this third episode of In and Out of Frame. And, and the year. And the year. So it's 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 been fun. It's been interesting. Tried some crazy snacks. Um, but on the note of holiday movies, uh, it was really difficult for us to pick just one movie apiece because we do have so many uh, odd favorites. And if you want to read about some of those picks, uh, please go to our website, inandoutofframe.com, and check out our episode guide for this uh, the holiday spectacular and we're dig gonna, into them. We're going to compile a list for you. Mm-hmm. You can get those, and of course the uh, the dreaded recipe photos. <laughs> <laughs> I love our recipe photos because I like that we don't really try to make them look. We're not um, a food blog. It's not a food blog. We are a film. We are we are here to discuss films. The snacks are food and film at home. Yeah, exactly. So the the photos reflect as much, but. <laughs> But at the same time, it's good, right? Yeah, no, you yeah. get a clear idea of of the strange. There's no, the um, there's no. You cannot say like, oh, those those snacks were photoshopped because clearly they're not. It's real. Talk. It's real talk and real snacks. So, well, thanks for everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday season, and we will be back in the new year to yeah, we've discuss got some good ideas, lots more exciting movie stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Be sure to check back with us. So I'm Nick Campbell. And I'm Andrea Pascal. And you've been listening to In In and and Out Out of Frame. frame. That's where I